Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Sunning Country Ifs Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Today we are broadcasting our show live from the Barnes and Noble Bookstore located at 6646 Uri Drive in Shreveport. Please drop by to visit us, part of the radio show, as well as stick around for the book signing by our noted feature author. You can also pick up copies of the July issue of the Best of Times as well as our 2018 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Joining me on my show as a special guest today is Mr. Gregory Finch, the author and lecturer, to discuss his new book, Does a Frog Remember Its Tale? A coming-of-age story. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thanks, Barnes & Noble, for having us here today. Well, Greg, we, we appreciate you and Susan making the journey from Big H Houston, the yeah. Houston area, to come up to visit Tina and I in Shreveport again. We, we want to do a little disclaimer while we're on the phone today. Uh, a lot of people don't might not know this, but there is a family connection between Greg and Susan and Tina and myself. Greg and I are first cousin. His 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 pseudo name he's going by Gregory French, but his actual name is. Gregory Asomikas, and my mother was an Asomikas. So he's, uh, his, his father was my uncle, Uncle Harry, mm-hmm. and so Greg and I, Greg is known as the first and oldest cousin, and I look forward to, uh, I was looking up to him when we were growing up in the, in the many years. He's a few years older than me. But I'm not the first one to have gray hair. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you very much <laughs> about that comment. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I do have gray hair, uh, and I'm not allowed to use Grecian formula. That okay. can't win them all, Greg. Okay. So, uh, but uh, the the other the other aspect is that uh, Greg has had a remarkable uh, uh, history, and I want you to tell a, a little bit, listeners, about about some of your family history and some of your accolades. And you're just not a an author; just happened to be doing authorship for the past uh, 25, 30 years, right? Right. I mean, I'm. Greatest claim to fame is that I'm related to Gary. But uh-oh, other than uh-oh. That, okay. Uh, other than that, uh, I was uh, a medical researcher for years and uh, ultimately became an administrator for the medical school down in Galveston. I was an education dean. Uh, I retired um, uh, a couple of years ago and uh, uh, started playing golf and doing other things, including writing. So uh, that's that's my background. I can tell you about my family if you'd like. So you mentioned let's, Susan. Let's brag about your family. We'll brag about my family. Uh, you talked about Susan, my beautiful wife of 38 years. She's from Pennsylvania. I somehow found her uh, up in Pennsylvania and brought her to Texas into this area, and she loves it. Uh, she's a quite a uh, accomplished woman in her own right. She's a senior vice president for the Greater Houston Partnership in Houston, which is basically – networking for businesses in Houston and recruiting new businesses to Houston. And if you've ever noted the Houston traffic, you can tell that she's very successful in recruiting people to Houston. So uh, She's a wonderful woman, mother, and we have two children. We have Scott, who's a loan officer at a bank down in the Houston area, and a daughter-in-law, Rose, and Almost brand new granddaughter, yeah. Layla. Layla. She's a little over a year, and Gary and I share that in common. 
that we have new uh, new, grand, new babies, grandbabies. Of course, Gary has other grandchildren. This is our first. Uh, and you're definitely spoiling her, right? That's what you're supposed to do. That's right. That's right. That's right, Greg. That's right. That's right. Well, we're doing that and uh, very successful at doing that. Uh, And then we have a daughter, Laura, who is a manager for 24-Hour Fitness in Houston. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to brag on her a little bit because she was the athlete in the family. We don't know where she got her athletic ability. It certainly wasn't from my side of the family. It was the Greek ancestry there. I mean, well, the, the Olympics. Right. I know maybe, it was. Hey, right. it Olympia. Skipped, it skipped a few generations. Oh, uh, well, well. But anyway, she's uh, she was a fantastic athlete. She uh, she was a pole vaulter and javelin thrower at Texas A&M, and while she was there, they won three national championships, and she qualified for the Olympic trials, and uh, yeah, we're really proud of her. Uh, she's amazing. So that's... Uh, that's it in a nutshell. Well, and we we could go on for hours and hours, but we're not. We're the not purpose do that. the purpose of having Greg today here is he's written an interesting book, and I will tell all you listeners out there the 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 book is is entitled "Does a Fog Remember Its Tail?" and it's a very interesting book. I highly recommend come down today. We have copies here at Barnes and Noble that you can pick up. He'll also sign them. It's a very interesting and amazing book. I highly recommend it to you and uh, for you for yourself or give it to a loved one. You're going to find it fascinating. Uh, it's a story that will, I will say, Greg, will make you happy, sad, and yeah, happy it's again. Got, it's, it's got, got it's, like life. It's got it's, ups and downs, and it's, 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 it's like a life. roller coaster ride. But yeah. but it is a, but it is it's a great it's a great book. And we're gonna we're not going to give everybody listening here all my thousands of people. All the all the story. We're right. going to give them little tidbits mm-hmm. and some some insights. So first of all is um, everybody. Well, my few friends that I mentioned to you that you were coming today, and I told them that you were my cousin, and I told them, and they said, "Well, why does he? Why what what came up with this Finch person? Who is Gregory French, and why did he use Osamikas?" Well, uh, Gregory Finch. Uh came about from my childhood because a lot of the story is inspired by events from my childhood in a small town then uh, north of Dallas called McKinney, Texas. And it was uh, only 11,000 people at that time. And if anybody knows McKinney now, it's not that anymore. It's more like 200,000 people. Uh, it's growing, almost as big or as bigger than Shreveport, just that one little right, area. That, that one area. And uh, But it was a wonderful little small town to grow up in. And so a lot of events, uh, major events, happened to me at that time. And so those, I used those things sort of uh, as inspiration for this fictional story. And I have to emphasize it's not autobiographical, but it's fictional. And I grew up on Finch Street. I played on Finch Creek. Oh. And I played in Finch Park. And so I decided to use that. It was more connected to the story than the great Greek name of Asamikos, uh, which was actually Asamikopoulos, the Asamikopoulos, cool, and, and grandfather decided to ch- chop it off a little bit so it'd be a little bit more understandable. Right, um, and we figure Finch could uh, people could remember and spell Finch better than uh, Asamikos. Yeah. Yes, Asamikopoulos. Oh yeah. well, oh well, that's a good one. Well, that's that's a good interesting. So there is connections with regarding there. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write write a story? A novel like this. Well, um, many things inspired it, but I'll, I'll just focus in on one. After I retired, I actually had uh, uh, more time to spend with my older sister, who's eight years older than I am, and my elderly mother, who lived in Mount Vernon, Texas, not too far from here. 
And so I would spend a lot of time with them, and this is starting two years ago. We talked about old times, things we hadn't thought about in years, and we looked at old pictures, and we told stories, and we found out things about each other we didn't know. Oh. And uh, they're really interesting stories, some sad, some happy, some kind of bizarre. Uh, but I took note of those, and I'm thinking, well, I should write that down or something, keep track of them. And I thought, well, maybe I'll write uh, a memoir or something. And then I got to thinking, I'm retired. I have a lot of time. What if I take those little stories that were independent and just write a fiction story, just make things up to interrelate them and make a story out of it? So that's so there were some epiphanies that you found. I, heard, oh, I love that particular word, epiphanies. Yeah, epiphanies you know. might be the right word. Uh, uh, and, revelations, and, or yeah. And so it just like you hear these, especially I, I tell seniors and boomers out there when I'm I'm talking to them at nursing homes, you, you got to tell your family some of the stories, but you you'll be shocked yep. that some of them right. you have to pull it out of them, and right. they won't tell you unless you prod them and interview right. them, and and they say you're not going to be interested. No, no. everybody's going to be interested, and yep. and then some of those very interesting stories come out. So you use these little little yep. stories to come up with this fictional novel, which, and I will tell the listeners, some of it's based upon even some of your dad's writing, absolutely, right? and dad's story, your right. dad, he Uncle Harry. Yeah, do you want me to talk about uh, some of these little things that yeah. started the story? Okay, first of all, one of the things that my mother and sister never realized that when I was in the fifth grade, 11 years old, I had a, I had a little girlfriend, and, oh. and we were madly in love. They didn't, they didn't realize that. And we, uh, we spent a lot of time together. We even took ballroom dancing together. Oh, that is in the book, y'all. I will say that. Okay. Um, the other thing that came out was I had early on had known something about my father when he was in World War II. He was a forward observer for an artillery unit. So he and his radio man would go out between enemy lines, and they would go into vacated villages, get into houses, and try to identify German assets, radio back positions, and to fire on them. So most of these villages were uh, vacated at the time, and so they had the run of the village. I found out that my father... I'll say liberated a set of silverware from one of these houses and brought it back to my mother and gave it to her as a gift. And that uh, that disturbed me. And I always thought if I had a chance, if I could get my hands on that, I would take it back to the rightful owner. And so that's one of the little things that spurred my thought about the story. And, the, and that is included, I will tell everybody, inside of the book that he just wrote. Yeah, and something else re- related to that is I never realized how important that silverware was to both my mother and father, and that was only in the last couple of years when I was talking to my mother. My parents divorced when I was 13, and my mother sold the silverware set at a garage sale. But talking to her a couple of years ago before she passed away, I realized that that set was very important to her, even though she sold it. And my father, in previous years uh, after the divorce, asked me if my mother still had the silverware set. And uh, I had to tell him that, no, she sold it. And it kind of broke his heart. So that set of silverware was just more than something he stole from a house and gave to my mother. It was was, uh, an indication of their love for each other. So that that part was very uh, important to me. Okay, Greg, the other point that somebody's asked, 
me to ask you is, how did you come up with the title? And I, I know some of these answers, but a lot of them are, are confused about uh, about the title. Right. The, the title is interesting, and I really didn't come up with the title. I actually oh. came up with the phrase, the words, but it's in the book, and it came out of the book and became the title. My original um, title for the book was called Borrowed, A Story of Stolen Time. Um, well, this is my first novel, and I actually had uh, not an editor, but uh, a writer who helped uh, people work on their first novels, and she um, uh, she indicated that that title that I had wasn't the right title. Okay. And she indicated that that title was uh, uh, not very good. And so she saw this passage in the book and decided that uh, that should be the title. And so... Uh, I tried it, and it seemed to work, and even did some marketing on the titles or various titles to find out if it might be the best title. And if you think about the title, and the, the subtitle is a coming-of-age story, and it refers to changes like a tadpole mm-hmm. to a frog. And so, and with the cover, the picture of the cover, it really fits the story. And the two kids on the cover, if you look at them, they are two kids on a creek, trying to balance themselves on rocks where they're looking down, watching their steps. And that's a metaphor for the overall story. And, and, and I will tell my listeners, when you read the book, there's different locate, different places throughout the book where you'll see some of the meaning where this will come, and definitely at the end. But but throughout the book, you, you have that inner meaning. As my wife, by the way, read the book and found it fascinating, mm-hmm. but she, she had more in-depth analysis of your book and found some of the inter, that right. meaning, right? Right. She she really caught the nuances in, in the story. So, And that's, what, that's important in any novel. Right. Let, let's talk about one thing I think is really critical to tell my listeners. This is a self-published book, right? It is self-published. Uh, and the reason I did that, well, yeah, I, I'm older than you, Gary. I'm Thank you, years old. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing when I was writing or trying to publish a book, which is probably is a good thing. If I did, I probably wouldn't have done it. It probably would have scared me away. <laughs> but uh, I actually took a course at Rice University on publishing now because publishing is so different with technology than it was even 10 years ago. And so I learned that if I tried to go through a normal publisher, it would take me five, six years to get through and do all the things I need to do to get it published through a publisher. But with technology now that you can self-publish, and which is what I did, and it was a very easy process. And, again, I, uh, I, I wasn't rushing, but I did want to try to get the story out before my mother passed away. She was 95, and... Uh, she unfortunately did pass away before I published it, but she did get to see the initial oh. draft and really enjoyed the story. And I know she's going to be was quite honored with that initial right. initial right. as as well. Uh, going back a little bit about print, I mean, I it is available everyone uh, at Barnes and Noble, and it's available online and various other other sources. Uh, but it but it is a it is available in print. And you know, what's your feelings about? Printed books compared to Amazon or what do you call them, e-books and all these electronic books. Uh, well, uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I guess that's changing with time. I think it just depends on the individual how comfortable they were. Are is it? I grew up in a time when we didn't have computers and holding a book uh, was important, and it was the, there was some value in the the book itself uh, beyond the words in the book, and so. The good thing is we have the option to do it either way. Um, 
So, so you know, likewise with the Best of Times magazine, we know we started out with print, and now we're in internet, and we're on Apple, and we're on the iPads and Android devices. But you know, senior citizens like us is like to hold the print, printed copy, and other seniors love to have the the, the book even though some of us are going toward the electronic version. But, I mean, I compliment you. for. But some people don't even go to print. They just right. go online, right? Right. Uh, that would probably be the easiest thing to do. And um, we don't want to do that. We want to be able to touch and feel the book and and, and, and feel some, some millions in there as well. And, and if they want an autograph from the author, oh, they that's better right. have a book. So <laughs> do come down today. You'll be able to buy, purchase a copy of his book, and he will autograph it and autogra- autograph novels. Are worth could be worth millions of dollars in like hundred years, Greg. Really, you know that? yeah, hundred years. Um, um, yeah, sure. It looks <laughs> sure, but so it adds some value. It adds some value. You to can it. put that on eBay in a hundred years from now, and it could probably be worth something. Right, that would be like our Uncle Louie putting um, some things on eBay. Like, that is, he did. Billy Beard. He, he did. He did do that as well. <laughs> so, so going back, going back um, to McKinney. Uh, that's where the book – so you were familiar with the area, and that's why the, mm-hmm. the story started off in that particular area with the two main and, – and Tina brought up a good point last night. Characters – you've got some two serious characters that are, in, are involved throughout this book, and they, they start off, they go off their separate paths, and then I will tell our listeners, I won't give away everything, they, they come back to see each other, which right. is remarkable at, toward, right. the, toward the end. I thought that was a great way to loop them around. Yeah. So, again, you pick McKinney, but it could be any small town, correct? It could be any small town. If anybody reads it, they could sub- substitute any of the names. Uh, uh, for example, one of the uh, iconic locations of McKinney was called Northside Pharmacy, mm-hmm. uh, where all the teenagers and even younger kids like us hung out at the soda fountain. And uh, you know, and I'm sure every small town has a place like that. So. They they do they have that everybody they even had one this report in Bossier City area where I was living up in Srivala. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Now back to the Best of Times with your host Gary Caligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show. Today we are broadcasting our show live from the Barnes and Noble bookstore located at 6646 Yuri Drive in Shreveport. Please do drop by to participate in the radio show to listen to us live here, as well as stick around for the book signing of our noted author Gregory Finch of his book. Does a frog remember its tail? And we have printed copies of it today at uh, $14.70, and it will also be a signed copy by the author, which is, you know, a very unique thing to have a signed copy. Right, Greg? That is right. And he he is going to be using his special Fenway Park pen made from the seats. The seats from Fenway Park. So you baseball fans, which I am, by the way, and you, if you read the book, you would know that. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, so I, my wife gave me a special pen that was made from some of the old seats at Fenway Park in Boston. What uh, years were those seats taken out? Do you remember? Uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure. I think it was uh, the, the 90s, 1990s, I think. Because that's when I was there. I, I yeah. went to Fenway Park twice myself right. in the Boston uh-huh. area. And uh, 
So hey, I, you could have had part of the seat I was sitting on. It could be. Oh well, that's. <laughs> well, we'll clean that oh, up later. Oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. So hey, getting back, everyone. This is Gregory French, also known as Gregory K. Asamikas. He's my cousin. I've told everybody on on the second segment. He is my first cousin, my oldest cousin on my mother's side, on the Asamikas side, and uh, we've known each other for years and years. He's a few years older than me. He's got more accolades, more P. He's a Ph.D., by the way. He won't tell everybody. He has a Ph.D., and uh, Gary has just a regular B.S., and I really do a lot of B.S. <laughs> you do it very well, don't, by the way. Don't, don't, uh, don't talk about that. Okay, so we're discussing his new book, Does a Frog Remember Its Tale? A great book to pick up for uh, a young person to read. It's, and I would say it's very going to be a good book for young teenagers. Well, I think young teenagers would enjoy the story. Yeah, I really do. It's a flashback to some older times, but it also comes up into more modern times. Uh, and uh, no, which, now that's you know that's critical that uh, that that genre, that kind of the situation. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a, an inspiring book. I, again, I will tell everyone, just like most novels, Greg does a great job. It has its ups and downs, mm-hmm. and it it makes you uh, you want to read it in one sitting. I mean, it, it, and Tina read it in less than a... She said 24 hours. 24 hours. It took me a little bit longer, but I didn't want to put it down. I kept dreaming about it, by the way. That's the other thing. Did you dream about the book before you put it, all the pieces together? I didn't dream about it, but the way I approached writing it was uh, something like that. Uh, in the morning, uh, well, I started writing in January of 2015. Uh, uh, Go on. Okay. And I decided to write try to write one chapter a month for the first draft. And what I would do in the morning is I would go out and sit by the pool, have a cup of coffee, and I would think about that specific chapter or part of the chapter that I was going to write. And so I would go through it in my mind, much like a movie. I would envision the characters, and I would envision what their dialogue might be to the point that I would envision what actor might be playing that role so I could better get a sense of it and better put it down. And after I ran those through my mind, I never jotted anything down. I just went to the computer and started typing with that. So that's so, how I so, approached it. So that's a, good, that's a good way to tell about somebody to publishing. You think about it like being a movie set. Right. And you think about about the scene. You're writing in the various scenes. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of other authors tell me that from, from right. being on my show before. That's you know, it's a great technique. Right. And uh, many of the old photographs that my mother and sister and I looked at, I had those available, and I looked at it, and I could see past just the, the photo into what these people might be thinking or how they would say it. And, uh, and then um, much of the book, uh, there are female characters in there, and uh, I, one of my challenges was to decide how would a female character react or what would they <laughs> say. And I, uh, I got my wife uh, and and others, and I said, well, if this were the situation, what would you do? How would you react? So that's how I, since this was my first time writing, I used those crutches. I'm not sure that they're crutches, but that's a good good way and to approach it. your perspective could have been very different than the traditional woman Absolutely. perspective. Yeah. Like, that's a good. So you bring in all these little consultants, but, mm-hmm. I, but I like the way you organized. I mean, that, that's, that's uh, you don't have to, some people think they need to write Beginning to end in one sitting. You don't. You can't do no, that. No, you can't. Can't do that uh, unless you uh, have a big step. Right. <laughs> now, the one thing that I I've learned that a lot of first-time authors do is they make the 
mistake of trying to make the first draft too perfect, and they'll spend a lot of time agonizing over words and sentences, and they'll never get through it. And I learned that the first draft, just you just write it down. You figure out what you're going to You just say it the, the worst way you can possibly say it without thinking about it. And then once you've finished, you can go back and clean it up. So, so would you say the essence of your book is shown on its cover? Two kids having fun, watching their steps while they're trying to keep their balance? That is, that is, uh, that is the essence of the book. And uh, it covers not just their childhood, but later on in their adulthood, the same concept. And uh, really the book, too, when I think about it, is a metaphor for me writing the book. Um, because I spent a lot of time uh, reminiscing about the old days that I'd never done before, uh, things that my wife didn't know about. I wasn't hiding them. It wasn't uh, the fact that I had a fifth-grade girlfriend had never come up because there was no reason to talk about that. But when I started writing the book, then I shared that information with her in a lot of details. And so I spent a lot of time going back in time and, and visiting with old friends, and it was sort of removing me from the present. And at some point I had to realize that I had to let go. And that was the end of the book. When I ended the book, mm-hmm. I was let go. I was letting go of my obsession with my childhood and my childhood girlfriend. And so that's how the, the book kind of ends. ends. It yeah. does. It does end. It was a. It was. It was a. I would say a, a little shocking ending. Oh, I, I was thinking of something different, but when I got there, but you want you want to give our listeners a scoop here. You're going to be writing it. There, there's a sequel. Uh, there's a sequel coming up, and hopefully I'll have the first draft finished in November, and then uh, by the end of the year, first of next year, I'll be able to wow. uh, publish the sequel to the book. Because although some parts uh, of the story were resolved in this book, there are other things in there that your mm-hmm. wife caught yeah. uh, that are not resolved, and they have to be resolved. So um, the sequel's coming up. Okay. And I might also want to add that there is a prequel story to this book that if anybody uh, is interested, uh, you can go on to my website and uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and get the prequel to the story, which doesn't change the story, but it might give you as a reader a little different perspective uh, about the story. Going and the website is GregoryFinch.com. Spell Finch. F-Y-N-C-H. It's with a Y instead of an I. So it's GregoryFinch.com. You go on there and you can subscribe to his newsletter and also get a free download mm-hmm. of his of the extra. And I will say the extra is pretty fascinating. I, I, mm-hmm. I read it as well. And uh, it, it adds a little bit. And you might tell the listeners how you came up with this extra. It was Oh, oh well, the the reason I had the extra to come up with was originally it was part of the first draft, and it turned out that the first draft was over 600 pages, which my uh, editor person said that's too long, and so we stopped the story short and just decided to do a sequel. But I had this one chapter that I decided to use as a prequel to the story to give some background to one of the characters. And and it it does it uh, I I think it added a little bit I mean I you you might say you get the rest of the story part of it mm-hmm. I mean you couldn't go into great detail in the printed book so this little the, the extra uh, pro- provides that so what advice would you give to aspiring authors and playwrights and screenwriters that might be listening today read 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 think 
think right 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 uh, don't if you want to be a writer you have to write and you have to read and you have to write and it and I found it's been my experience that the first time author now I've written things scientific journals writing fiction is almost totally different uh, so I had to train myself a little bit and you can tr you can practice writing on lots of things now in social media uh, and that's what I do a lot. I respond to my friends' comments, and I try to do it very thoughtfully and try to construct uh, construct the uh, my words in the right way, the same way I would do with writing a novel. And it's really practicing taking your thoughts and turning them into words. So if you want to be a writer, you think and you write, and you keep doing that, and it's like, like my golf game. Oh. oh practice, 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 and you might get a little better. You will get a little better. Uh, so. That's so, my advice. But it's but it's a good. I would say it's a great hobby for somebody who retired. And and uh, I, I was talking to some a uh, couple of gentlemen and said, "Have you written up your family history?" Oh, we talk about it at family reunions. And I I suggested that I, I told you about the gentleman that uh, several years ago I met who had did family reunions, and I inspired him to write a a, right. a an autobiography about him and his all his family. And it, he gave he printed 500 copies and gave it to all his family members right. throughout the United States. And so, what a touching gift uh, that he did! And he sadly passed away, right. but he had that legacy now. Before it was exactly. just storytelling around the campfire, around the reunion, but he passed this down. And he talks about I mean, it's amazing. I, I found it fascinating about his memory of his great great grandparents and and you know, in Pennsylvania and, and uh, Tennessee, et cetera. So that, that's a, a lasting legacy, right? Absolutely. And he was how old? He was uh, in his 90s. He was in his 90s when he decided to do that, so it's never too late. And nowadays you have so many places to go for help, people who are willing to help you write or help you publish or help you find a book cover. Um, so if you have the urge to do it and the time, you have to find the time. And that's most, most difficult for uh, people is finding the time to actually sit down and write and do it well. And so it was after I retired that I had the time to do it. So. We'll be right back. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Sunday Country S Report, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Today we are broadcasting our show live from the Barnes & Noble Bookstore, located at 6646 Uri Drive in Shreveport. Please drop by to visit us today and stick around for the book signing by our noted author, Gregory Finch, regarding his new book, Does a Frog Remember Its Tale? Again, Joining me on my show today is Gregory Finch, also known as Greg Asamikas, author, lecturer. He's discussing his new books. We're learning a lot of the insight, the rest of the story about his book, There's a Frog, Remember the Tale, A Coming of Age Story. One of our audience persons asked me uh, to ask him a question. So what was your mindset? What was your thinking about this? What, how did you grasp this particular book? Well, I think uh, because a, a lot of it had to do with our, our family story, uh, 
uh, it was sort of easy for me to uh, get involved with it. But as I said before, I, after I retired, I had time to uh, spend a lot of time with my older sister and mother, uh, which I had not done before because we had been separated over the years. But uh, we always got together, but we never had a lot of time to spend together. So I would spend uh, weeks at a time with them. And so we, it was like our, our family was uh, reformed. We, we really bonded again, and we had a family again. So that turned into sort of a passion just beyond my story. And once I decided to write the book, that passion carried on into my writing. And I, I wanted to do it again. I was trying to do it, uh, publish it before my mother passed away. Uh, but the mindset really was almost an obsession, uh, obsessed with my childhood now, uh, trying to figure out why things happened the way they did. And then that just carried over into writing the story. And one of the downsides, of course, is that obsession turned into uh, me sort of closing the door to the present world. I had to get by myself to write the story while my wife was giving me all these honeydew things on the list. I was not doing them because oh, I was oh, writing. Greg, yeah, and she's you, listening to this now. Right. And uh, <laughs> How far down on the list did you get? Well, I got to the point where I didn't add any more to the list. I would just drop things off oh, the bottom. Oh, smart, so, guy, uh, smart <laughs> guy. Smart guy. Smart <laughs> guy. You remember that one. Right. But that is one of the reasons why I said uh, the book is a metaphor for me uh, ending the book or writing the book where you have to close the chapter. Yeah, I enjoyed going back and visiting my childhood, but I can't live there forever. I have to release it somehow. But I'm I'm glad you brought up the fact about looking at pictures. Mm -hmm. Pictures are worth a thousand words plus, right? Absolutely. And every picture has a story to tell. And I, I, I can relate to my mother's going back through some of her old pictures of Galveston and the family and her, and it it just amazing. Even our current pictures with my kids and and grandkids, they all have a story to tell. And we're and, and that inspired you too. Uh, absolutely, that made the story. It made it easier to tell the story when I looked at the pictures, uh, because you can imagine anything. It's a, a bit like looking at clouds and seeing a formation in the clouds. You can imagine anything about that picture. Well, like what are those two kids thinking? What are they doing? Why are they doing that? Why? You know, why is she looking like that? Why is she looking sad? Or why is she looking happy? And you can make up anything to fit the picture. Well, I, I think the, the young man here is listening to us today. What inspires you to add to a particular scene and the graphics of, uh, of what the sky looks like, what the trees, what the flowers? I mean, you have a lot of descriptions in this book right. to add color and add What's actually going on in the area? The the, the creek, the the, right. the 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 mud in the area, and their paradise area. Yeah. We won't give away a lot of, but that paradise is their right. make re remarkable area where the both of them like to go to, right? Yeah, I, I I found out that that's really one of the most difficult things for an author, particularly a new author, to do is decide when to go to into detail about the surroundings. Uh, you can do that too much and get away from the story, and I learned that from my literary midwife who was helping me write the story, that every scene doesn't need to be uh, described in detail, but certain scenes that are critical need need to show the surroundings to capture the photo picture, the mental picture of what's going on for the reader. I like the word. You might want to explain to uh, the, he used that yesterday. I never heard of it. Literary midwife. midwife. What well, is that? Well, it's uh, it's one of one of the sources. This particular woman. Uh, and there's there's many uh there's many um 
uh, people out there who will do this, who will help authors uh, write their books if they're a first-time author. And she doesn't consider herself an editor or a reviewer. She calls herself a literary midwife. She just helps you through the process. She delivers the baby. She delivers, helps you deliver the baby. baby the book that's going to come right, out, that's whether exactly. it's a smart, short book or a right. long book. And she's the, she or he, it could be a he, right? It, it could, could be, be a he, it could be a young. It could be, you know, but literary midwife. Right. That's a that's an interesting. Yeah, she, and she helped deliver the baby. Oh, and she is she happy? Oh, that's a good point. Is she happy? Uh, I think she's happy. She said, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she better be happy. It... Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on Seven Ten Keel. Now back to the best of times with your host Gary Caligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you again for listening to our show. Greg, thank you for joining us today. And you're going to be around for a little bit to sign books. Yeah, I'll people, be, people, be here. people purchase his book. Does a does a frog remember its tale? A coming of age story by Gregory Fence. And do come down here, and he's available to answer some of your questions. It's a fantastic book. You can also go to his website at Gregory Finch. Dot com and subscribe to his, um, his newsletter. newsletter, and you'll also get a download copy of your. Uh, of a, it's a, it's basically a chapter that it serves as a prequel to the book, and uh, it gives a lot of bit of insight to that particular book as well. And again, we we want to, uh, to thank our. Um, the people here at Barnes & Noble and Alec for allowing us to broadcast our radio show here live from their location and also um, the, the the book signing event that will take place but now until a little bit later. We do want to thank our, my producer, Ruben, for handling the major duties at the Keel Studios regarding this show. We're sorry about some of our technical, technical problems, but uh, that sometimes happens when you're broadcasting remotely. Do join us next Saturday here on the Best of Times radio show for another show that could benefit you or your loved ones. Again, don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations throughout the Shreveport and Bossier City area. So, Greg, in, in, in parting, what do you have a parting thought? Regarding your your book, and why should why should my listeners and readers out there uh, pick up your book? Well, it's a fun story. I enjoyed telling it, and uh, I think it's a great story. Whether you are looking for a little nostalgia from the fifties or sixties, or whether you're looking for uh, more adult romance too. And as I said, there's a sequel coming up, and you might be interested in doing that and trying to figure out what's in the sequel, best uh, based on uh, the current book. Wow, so it's going to be like a, a thriller. It's it's yes, it's going to be like a thriller and and other things too. Uh, <laughs> other things too. I like this other other things too. Oh, okay, and another another thing as well. So again, thank you for joining me, cousin Greg, and hopefully all our relatives are listening today throughout the. Uh, Mainly Texas. Yeah. Uh, most, most of our relatives are in the Texas area, so hopefully they're going to be listening to this show, this podcast, and this this radio show. Again, thank you for joining us to give us a little insight about your book, uh, Does a Frog Remember Its Tale by Gregory French, a coming-of-age story. You can pick up a copy here at the Barnes & Noble located on Uri Drive. So, again, thank uh, you, Greg. Thank you, Gary. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy, The Best of Times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. Best wishes to everyone for a safe 
and happy 4th of July celebration. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Kiel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for The Best of Times. This is News Radio 710 Kiel, K E E L, Shreveport Bossier.